This is Rebecca Lowe, or Rebecca Lua, if you listen to Suboptimal Radio, and you are listening to Men in Blazers on the NBC Sports Network. It's unbelievable! From the Embassy Row Studios in the crap part of Soho, it's the Men in Blazers podcast. Oh, we survived the pod yesterday. Yeah. One of the best pods ever we've ever taped. Yeah. Did not make it to the light of day. The file was corrupted. I think it was the Russians at Philip Semery, one of many to chime in with the joy America felt in the news. He said the pod is becoming so crap that not even the underlying technology wants to be subjected to it. But even before the pod disappeared from our lives, Dave, and we're going to try and tape as much as we can today. I was, I was feeling angry already, Dave. <laughs> You're right. That's how you started yesterday. My inner Mr. Met. It was yeah. on display previously, and mm-hmm. I do... What I say, we pod again after a weekend of unfathomable carnage in the United Kingdom. Your beautiful big city, Dave, London. Yeah, London. Even touch South London, South London. Uh, tragic, awful, uh, terrible uh, loss of life, terrible injuries. Uh, a reminder of how close uh, this whole thing is to all of us, and yet we stand defiant, Rog. If we do, I mean, this right after the emotional high of the Champions League, and to just descend immediately into the inferno of slaughter and savagery on the streets of the capital city, into searing darkness, I did take some solace, though, Davo, from this Daily Mirror story sent to us by GFOP at XD about a football fan, a hero, who engaged all three knife-wielding terrorists using only his fists. Yes, Roy Lana, Rog, was in a pub with friends when the attackers burst in shouting, this is for Allah, and the 47-year-old from Peckham, Rog, proper (laughs) South London, decided he needed to take the piss out of these bastards by shouting his own battle cry back at them, screaming, f*** you, I'm Millwall. Lana probably proceeded by, I am, I'm Millwall, I am. Lana proceeded to engage the three and was stabbed eight times. He is recovering in hospital as there are calls for him to be awarded the George Cross for heroism. We need more than that. The Daily Mirror's conclusion, Millwall fans get a very bad rack, a lot of it very deserved, but there are times when you really want a lot of Millwall fans, and that was one of them. (sighs) Great GFOP at Jason L. Kennedy tweeted us to ask, could Millwall supporters ever be tamed enough to form an effective counter-terrorist force? Maybe. Is beer the answer? Jason, whatever the question, beer is always the answer. And I, I want to say one thing we're not worried about is the tenacity of the United Kingdom. You said to me when we looked at that story, you said, never underestimate the interest English people have in... Violence. We and love violence. We love fighting. We love fighting. And Americans, they are wonderful people. And we've both long admired you. And while America and Britain have had a shared long relationship, we are very different creatures. Americans in general, and New York Times headline writers in particular... They need to understand this, that to the British, it really doesn't feel so long ago that it was the Middle Ages and life was nasty, brutish and short. Our whole history has been one of struggle, of life lived on a little island on the edge of the continent, battered by the weather. Just ask Nolito, his poor little daughter, her face has gone a funny colour and she's only been there six months. We've got delusions of grandness that were once real. We've lived it, we've won some, we've lost some. Right now, we don't win many things apart from... Sitting down sports. Yeah, we win the sitting down sports. We're good at that. It's the opposite of the frontier thesis, Rog. The Americans, you you all came here and you had those mountains, the Rockies. You had to get over them 
And it changed the whole American outlook, the mentality, the positivity, the, oh, let's talk about it, let's try and figure it out, democracy, freedom, oh, the hand on your chest, the singing the national yeah. anthem, tears in your eyes. We live on this rainy little island. We're all quite angry, Rog. Yeah, very angry, David. And, and, and we want to fight. We do want to fight. We really want to fight. And by the way, had we seen the Rockies in the olden days, we would have looked up at them and been like... We would have hit them in the face. Nah, that's a bit, <laughs> bit, bit tall, bit high. Yeah. Why don't we just sit under the Rockies, yeah. open up maybe 12, 18 beers, fall yeah. over, and then try and have a fight. That's yeah. how we do it. Yeah. Believe in English beef. Believe in English beef. And while we're talking about England... I've got to say this, David. One thing that did give me cheer over the weekend, there was a fascist march in the city centre of my hometown, Liverpool. That oh, you love a gave... fascist march. But no, that wasn't what gave me cheer. Thousands of Liverpoolians turned up to chase the fascists out of the city, to beat them up. And they did so successfully, Davo. And I love this. To the sound of Benny Hill music. One protester brought a ghetto blaster that played yakety sax as the fist fights broke out, police ushered the fascists quickly out of town. I have rarely felt prouder or more hopeful, Davo. Benny Hill music. The world needs more Benny Hill music. Yeah, it's interesting that, because you'd have thought that fascists on the whole would quite like the Benny Hill show. And so it's kind of using their own theme tune against them, which is what's so clever about it. Oh, I can't wait for your book to come out, David. Yeah. Benny Hill, a crypto-fascist. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Everyone was a fascist in the 1970s, though, Rog. Uh, some uh, MIB housework right now, Rog. Some house cleaning. We're headed to Los Angeles this weekend, Dave. Oh, your second city where we've got the honour of presenting to the world. And I say this a lot, honour. This is really an honour. It's first glimpse of EA Sports FIFA 18. Yeah, we're going to be at EA Play Saturday, June 10th, 12 noon at the Palladium in Los Angeles. Any LA GFOPs who are there, we would love Love, love to see you. It's proper amazing. You can watch the whole thing, including the big FIFA 18 reveal on EA.com. They're going to stream it live. I can't wait. I've been playing Huddersfield up a storm for the past 10 days, and I can't wait to play Kachunga on FIFA 18 for real. We're then right off to England next week. Your other second city to tape a huge amount of stuff at Royal Birkdale, home of the next Open, fast forthcoming. I cannot wait to hit a golf ball with you. Sadly, there'll be no pod next week, but we will be releasing a fantastic interview pod special with the lead singer of Future Islands, Samuel T. Herring, who is a remarkable bloke, a poet warrior. And I'm not just saying this because he's a massive, massive Everton fan. I actually think all football fans will get a huge kick out of what he has to say. Can't wait to be in LA with you once again, Rog. Oh, I can't wait to be in England with you, Davey. Okay, Roger, packed show today, including your interview with GFOP and former Akron Zip, Deandre Yedlin, in which you talk about the USA's impending World Cup qualifiers against TNT and Mexico at the Estadio Azteca. They're not playing TNT at the Estadio Azteca. That would be an amazing. <sighs> to the football. As I crack my Guinness, my thoughts, as are so many in football, are with only one man. Many listeners will remember Newcastle cult hero Czech T.O.T., the hard-tackling Ivorian defensive midfielder who collapsed and died tragically, aged just 30, while training with his new team in Beijing, China. He was a remarkable player to watch in his six Premier League seasons. He was a man who only knew full throttle. He loved a tackle. He loved a yellow card. 
He only scored once for Newcastle, but what a goal it was. They were 4-0 down against Arsenal, February 2011. Toon fought back to make it 4-3. And then, in the 87th minute, a free kick was only half cleared. It fell to Teoti way downtown, and he just derisively spanked it. From 30 yards into the bottom corner, cue scenes of Geordie Delirium. As Teoti ran the full length of the field, an unbridled celebration. That is how he'll be remembered as a life force, a competitor, a man who loved the game and left us far, far too soon. I raise my Guinness to his family and Newcastle's nation of fans, to life, to love, to football, and to check Teoti's memory. Long may his memory live, Rod. Oh, to life. Absolutely. Okay, we begin with the Champions League final. Juventus 1, Real Madrid 4. Real Madrid wins its 12th Champions League in club history and third in the first four years after a cut-and-thrust first half that left the game tied at one, courtesy of a Cristiano Ronaldo goal and a Mario Mandzukic oh. worldie, Rog. Zinedine Zidane's men played the old lady off the park in the second half, banging in three goals, including a second for Ronaldo. We'll get to all that in a second, Rog. But let's start pre-game and an unusual tactical selection. Oh, yeah, most important question first. The one everyone in football world's talking about, Dave. Eh? Mm-hmm. The black-eyed bloody peas. Before kickoff, yeah. How? Why? Whither? I mean, they're tunes. They're now even older than Gigi Buffon. Yeah, some of the Black Eyed Peas, Rog. Oh. It wasn't the starting lineup. Yeah, as we tweeted, the Black Eyed Peas without Fergie, even harder to watch than Manchester United without Fergie. But when you've got musical talent like Gigi Buffon in yeah. the tunnel, just get the man out on the field. Give him a mic. Let him sing my humps a cappella, Dave. There was a great moment when Will I Am performing in Cardiff, Wales, beautiful city. Mm. He shouted out, Hello, London! Yeah. All Americans, you've got to explain this to me, Dave. They conflate London and any other place in the United Kingdom. They're all the same to you. What part of London is holding? Yeah, do you know Bill from Yorkshire? Yeah, you yeah. must know him. You yeah. also think all those English people know each other. It, Britain is a very small country, yep. Rog. And Will I Am probably did fly into Heathrow. Not into Bristol or Cardiff. But he did then go guess. to Manchester to yeah. the remarkable Ariane Grande concert I yeah, think, the next did. day. Yeah. Did the same thing there. I think he said hello like, London again. Whilst wearing a I love Manchester t-shirt. Yeah. yeah. Hello London! Yeah. God love him. But to the football, and can we just open by saying, mm. major finals, I know you're listening. Mm. You're meant to be cagey, negative, fear-filled affairs. This one. Anything but, Davo. First oh. half, one of the best I've witnessed in my lifetime. Juventus came out with a finger on turbo. Yeah, all finals are becoming like the community shield, Rog. <laughs> the big one. They're all starting to be like the community shield. Yeah, Juventus uh, came out ready to go. Certainly pressed uh, Real Madrid. Real Madrid looked up for it without any doubt. And it looked like it was going to be a cracker, and it was. It was, but that opening goal from Real against the run of play. A ruthless counter-attack, which is true to their style. The product of intelligent movement. Into play, peerless attacking menace. And who was there with a the finish, Davo? Fire deflection. Yeah, well, Ronaldo. He aimed it off the defender's heel. He meant to. That, yeah, he meant to put it Is right off good? his heel. Is, Is that, that good? Yeah, Ronaldo. I mean, he. this is a guy who just... I'm not sure that he thinks about the moment of actually striking the ball and shooting the ball into the goal. No, that's just I a think, means to an end. I think yeah, he just wants the celebration at the end, which is why he scores so many goals. That's his creative visualisation. He's not and he just puts the scoring. ball in the back of the net again and Spotlight again. Spotlight craving. Yeah. Goals, just a means to an end. I mean, I say in this one, astonishing control twice in that move, once with a finish 
for Ronaldo. And then to keep his jersey on afterwards in the celebration, I mean, oh. If I had his body, I wouldn't. The limits of human restraint, but Mm. bloody hell. After netting hat-tricks to fend off Atletico and Bayern in previous rounds, of course it was him screwing the opener and becoming the first man in history to score in three finals. I'd read that weekend, Patton Oswald articulated the four stages artists go through in their career. Brilliant comedian. He said, starve, struggle, feast Mm. and bloat. I think he was really describing Gonzalo Higuain's dad bod. Because to me, Ronaldo's brilliance is he's not followed that path at all, Davo. As a footballer, so hardworking, so demanding of all those around him. In a way, you know, you, you hear these stories of Michael Jordan whipping the ball in Luke Longley's face in practice because he could to keep everyone on his toes. To me, that's Ronaldo, and it's a remarkable human feat. There is a world of Ronaldo lovers who don't just love his play. I will say this. They want to be like him in the way that I want to be like Stevie Naismith or Tony Hibbert. His notes of manhood, his macho manhood, I don't feel them. It's a dog whistle I can't hear. Do you understand it? I don't think it's macho manhood. I think it's a metrosexual uh, manhood. I think they're the strutting, the preening, the show poniness. I think that appeals to some people. But I don't... I think that you cannot disaggregate this from the football. The fact that he's so good at football makes it possible for him to be that way. But there is something I wanted to ask you. What do you think he's like off the field? Because we never know the true persona of any celeb. But more than most, seems such an airbrushed icon off the field, that top layer of glossy coat paint that we never get beyond. I mean, one does get the sense that he is trying to compensate for something, Rog. I think he's quite shy. Uh, I think he's... um, quite afraid but the football field and Instagram is where he's able to sort of show his other side is where he's able to sort of you know be someone else my narcissist yeah that's my other side I mean you have to remember this kid when he came to Manchester United as a teen Mm. used to cross the road in Manchester holding his mother's hand yeah he is his own Patronus now his social media it's almost all hilariously almost campily staged here's me lying back in tight shorts casually reading a book called Success I mean, why Ronaldo would need to read a book called Success? It would be like me reading How to Be a Failure. Uh, uh, what do you think his real hobbies are, David, when he's not playing football, when he's not in the social media glare, and mm. he's not doing his 3,000 push-ups he reportedly does every day for reels, or Fun. waxing his nipples, which I'm sure he does every I day I hope he's using the perfect push-up, which I put in the Amazon store last week. <laughs> uh, Philately, I imagine he enjoys some stamp collecting. 15th century Iberian yeah. manuscripts. Yes, he loves those. He, what, I imagine him nestling back to watch Orange is the New Black. Yeah. He's a big fan of the Black Eyed Peas, clearly. Oh, no, I think Not he, necessarily Fergie. I've got a feeling he likes blues travel. He likes to listen to that debut album while trying to master the devil sticks. Do you think he's the kind of guy that kicks back with his mates and just lights his own farts for laughs? Um, I don't know. You don't really get a great sense of Ronaldo's mates. Ronaldo's friends, Dave. I imagine them as all being just Ronaldo statues. That look nothing like Ronaldo. <laughs> Irrespective, Juventus... For the first time in the knockout stage of this Champions League, they're behind. How do they respond, Davey? They charge at Madrid, confident in their back three. They push their wing-backs high up the field, and then they just start to toss the ball around with the abandon of hacky sackers in Washington Square Park. Cue Golazzo de Golazzos! Yeah, they respond by scoring uh, one of the best goals I've ever seen in a final. I'd say one of the best goals I've ever seen, Rog. Uh, Certainly the best goal I've ever seen by a losing team in a final, a goal that is being remembered 
more than the actual final or <laughs> any of the winning goals are themselves. An amazing strike by Mandzukic. Oh, Bonucci spanked a 55-yard pass. The ball never hits the floor again. Sandro lobs it casually to Higuain, does one keepy-uppy, drops it off to Mandzukic, chested it with his back to goal and dispatched what can only be described as a seeing-eye looping rainbow over, would you say, a charitably flailing Navas? Charitably off-his-line flailing, going with the wrong hand. He, he didn't want to come in the way of greatness. Because to be... Ca- I just screamed at the television, oh, my God, sham gods. Because to score that goal was human magic. To watch it was an... I would say watching that goal was one of the top three achievements of my lifetime, David. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I've been watching the NBA Finals a lot past two, the past week. Mm. Charging up and down. Basket after basket, dunk after dunk. I never thought this was possible, Davo. Too much scoring. Too, it's like having too many orgasms. <laughs> never said that before. I know. But football, you watch it for hours. You mm. sit through your Reddings via your Huddersfields. Mm. And why do you do it? You get up at 2 a.m. to watch the US. And why? You do it for moments like that. That Mandzukic goal. The emotions that it makes you feel. Which I can only describe as how I imagine Sting feels. At the end of one of his tantric sex marathons. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not sure you're going to feel anything like that again, Raj, either. <laughs> I'm still sore. Yeah. Our big mees tweeted us to say, can you imagine what noises erupted from Ray Hudson after that goal? Oh, my word, they must have been. I'm not sure. I, I, I have a feeling that they might have been too... You know how difficult it is to be polyphonic with your own voice? It's very difficult to come out with two or three notes at once unless you're one of the throat singers of Tuva. <laughs> I feel like Ray might have been polyphonic at that point. He might have been saying several different things simultaneously in different, <sighs> in different parts of his register. I did look it up, Big Mees. The world's lo- loudest sound ever was allegedly made by the volcano Krakatoa, mm. which erupted in 1883. And when it did... The eardrums of people 40 miles away were ruptured and the sound could be heard over 3,000 miles away. I like to believe Hudson's orgasmic cries would have topped that. And I'll also say, what a way to lose your hearing to a Ray Hudson big O. It'd be an honour, surely, David. One thing I did notice, the second Mandzukic scored, the cameras cut to poor Ronaldo. Oh, yeah. What did he look like? He looked... Well, I think the commentators very charitably said that he was unhappy because he'd missed an opportunity to put his team ahead when the ball hadn't come through to him <laughs> just before. That wasn't why he was upset. He was upset because somebody else had scored a better he goal than him. He was momentarily overshadowed. Was in the spotlight. He looked like Tony Hawk. Now he'd have to land a 900 to win the X Games. And what did he do on Real Madrid's next attack? Tried to do the same thing. Tried to do the same thing, but from even further away, slightly more spectacular. Wanted a one-up Mandzukic, and it didn't come off. And in that moment, the world laughed. But to me, the magic of Ronaldo, the competitive fire that stokes only inside his beautiful ribcage, and I guess my mother-in-law's whenever she's in the vicinity of a scrabble board, is that you knew then he's going to land it. And he wouldn't need 800 goes to make it stick, Davo. When that ball went in for Mandzukic, to be honest, at that time, we had no idea of what was to come, Davo. Mm. I mean, that was a moment of confident, ethereal, otherworldly team play. But it just turned out to be an exclamation point, oddly mid-sentence, Davo, because the second half... Have you ever seen a game with two halves completely different and the balance of power like that? Yeah, we could write an essay, Rog, on the pointlessness of great goals in losing causes. I mean, there is something sad about 
how ultimately pointless that goal was other than its own beauty. It felt like a momentum changer. It felt like everything was going to be different. It felt like Juve was suddenly going to rise up and defeat Real Madrid, that it was going to be Italy coming and conquering Spain for the first time uh, since the 15th, perhaps the 14th century, Rog. But uh, it was not to be. the cigarettes and cortados that they drank in that Juventus changing room at halftime just burnt off all of their adrenaline. Second half, Zidane pushed up his fullbacks, Marcelo and Danny Carvajal, driving Juventus back. Mm. And who was it? Proving, empowering Madrid to take the initiative in that midfield. Oh, my word. Luka Modric, the town witch, Rog. Spends most of his time in the pastures by day. But, oh, my God, in this day, mm. Kadira and Pjanic, they just couldn't keep up. And the game became a crunching battle of hard, desperate tackles, last-ditch defending, that Juventus defence, that vaunted Juventus defence, built a pure tungsten. It began to buckle before our eyes in the crucible. If it was an NBA game, Allegri, the Juve coach, he would have called a timeout. What was fascinating, he made no substitutions, but you could see it coming, David. It was almost inevitable that the second goal was, was going to be Real's. Yeah, except you didn't know where it was going to come from. Casemiro, Rog, long-range wallop, joink! Oh, a deflection from way downtown. Casemiro, who would have thought he'd be the match winner? He was an unlikely goal scorer, as Iman Shumpert strolling off the bench onto the court to nail a clutch winner in overtime. But it would get worse for Juventus, Steve. Sarebbe peggio, poor Juve. Thank you, Google Translate. Three minutes, six seconds later, a third quite brilliant Real goal. Mm, show pony, Rog. He strikes again. Ronaldo. Modric. He's so intelligent. Give and go. An mm. exquisite pass cut through a defence that was meant to be impregnable that had shut out Barcelona mm. for 180 minutes of Champions League football. Suddenly, it looked like what it is. An ageing outfit. Second oldest starting 11 ever in a Champions League final. Over 30 years of age. And who charged in to pick up the pass, splitting two defenders? It was Ronaldo again. Mm. What a finish. What a bloke, mate. Yeah, he pictured once again his goal celebration. He led towards that moment uh, and put the ball in the back of the net. What I admire about him really, David, on the field, he's changed his game at the age of 32. When other players, we've seen Wayne Rooney try and drop back deeper and deeper into midfield to influence play. Ryan Giggs did the same to compensate for declining speed. Ronaldo, his speed is gone, but he's done the opposite. He's left the flank and remade himself as an elite striker, leading the line, still in touching distance of glory, relying on his cunning and clinicality and his desire for the spotlight. I mean, this is not Dirk Nowitzki adding the kick fadeaway to his post-game after his slowdown. This is Larry Fitzgerald, getting older, morphing into a slot receiver and becoming better than ever to lead the league with 107 catches. It's astonishing. Yeah. I was watching Federer play this weekend. Federer, another guy, ageing, losing a lot of speed. Greatest Roger of all time. Still able to do so many amazing things and seems to be getting more intelligent on a tennis court. And I tell you what Federer and Ronaldo have in common is that they've both looked after their bodies in a way that, look, I don't think Wayne Rooney can say the same. Um, the, the, the condition... Wayne Rooney's really been using the shake weights. <laughs> yeah, the condition... He's not been using my perfect push-ups. The condition uh, that Ronaldo is in, it's a poor... It's a testament to the amount of training and self-love uh, what? that he has in his body. What a 12 months he's had, David. Self-love, it gets you everything. The Ballon d'Or, winning La Liga... Coaching Portugal to Euro 16 glory single-handedly. Yeah, he played and then coached. Then scoring twice in this one to fire Real Madrid to Champions League victory. Nine trophies, nine trophies in 372 days. 
I mean, I don't know what Portuguese is for all that winning. You'll get sick of all that winning. But I wonder, no man has come closer than really understanding the true meaning of that sentence than Cristiano. We've got to talk quickly. Quadrado's 80-minute shift and two yellow cards after coming on this sub. You can take the boy out of Chelsea, David. Yeah, uh, you have to feel a little bit sorry for him. Um, actually, it was that was a, a much larger contribution than many of his substitute appearances at Chelsea <laughs> would. Um, Sergio Ramos, oh. I mean, this is a little bit of a black mark on this Real Madrid victory. The behaviour of Ramos went down a little bit hard, made a little bit too much, uh, read a much too much of a meal of absolutely nothing uh, and got the poor boy Cuadrado sent off. Sergio Ramos is human proof that there's no such thing as karma. And, and that theological belief in reward and punishment that many of us hold, I realise watching him, it's for losers. All you young listeners, follow Ramos's example. Don't listen to anyone good. Cheat, trick, lie your way to the top. I mean, I will say, it was fitting and no surprise that during the trophy presentation that the one with the selfie stick was Ramos. He's a selfie stick personified, David. Yeah, I don't think he watches slow motion replay. <laughs> Um, how could you actually watch that in replay and feel good about yourself? You know what? I imagine he probably those are the only clips he watches of himself until yeah. he just howls yeah. at the moon. Asensio added a fourth late, yeah. scoring four on this Juve defence. It's like dropping 30 points on the Bears 1986, Buddy Ryan, the America. I mean, Real Madrid, you should be allowed to keep that trophy forever for giving that Juventus backline a bruising bare bottom spanking. Zidane led Madrid. First team since Arrigo Sacchi's 1990 Milan team to defend the European Cup title. First in the modern Champions League era. Remarkable feat. And they do it, David, not just by throwing money at it. I mean, we've seen Manchester's United and City. It's hard to throw money at team building. They've done something else, David. And for this, huge accolades for Zinedine Zidane. I mean, look, it feels... It feels less than two years ago that everybody is saying, oh, yeah, Barcelona are, are, are a level above Real Madrid. Real Madrid aren't even us. close. Yeah, they're not even, they're not even touching them. And just a few years later, so different. Uh, Zizou, Rog, has come in. He's unlike other European managers. He has this quiet command. So few former players ever make it as managers. So few former players so hard. manage in this way. He's quiet. He's restrained. He understands the Galacticos he's got on his team. He doesn't try and take the spotlight. And they I revere love him. They revere yeah. him. I mean, it's hard to be an elite player and become an elite manager because you just cannot understand how the minds of ordinary as opposed to extraordinary players work. I mean, Platini struggled. Maradona couldn't do it. And when Zidane came through, originally having just coached briefly, for the Real Madrid B team, he seemed like a tentative choice. Few people thought they would stick with him for very long. But in 18 months, he's already won five trophies and as many Champions League titles as Pep, Jose Mourinho and Alex Ferguson. His methodology has been fascinating. I mean, he's maintained this shy, almost cipher-like demeanour. He's not splashed the cash in transfers. He's kept things very simple with the players. He's taught them all one big thing each. That's his thing. Ronaldo, you need to rest on occasion. Marco Asensio, we need you in the team. The midfield must have Casemiro steel. He doesn't believe in long video sessions. He's merely maintained the demand for mutual respect in that squad, which is not an easy thing to balance. And he's avoided embarrassing his politically fraught team in public. He's not hogged the spotlight. He's not, I mean, he's an incredible contrast. Think Antonio Conte, think Jurgen Klopp, think they're kind of constant climaxing on the sideline. And what's frightening when you think about Real Madrid, and I guess for the other big competitors in Europe, 
This is now a settled Madrid, a cohesive Madrid. We've not seen that in decades. A Madrid that are built not just around Galactico big names, but a true footballing, counter-attacking identity. It's not just to build a brand and sell jerseys and be a brighter wattage bulb than the rest. They've not just won three Champions Leagues in four years. They've won the most recent one with a very, very bloody good team. And with Zidane so fresh, so new, Davo, it's astonishing to say this. This feels like a Real Madrid team that's yet to peak. Yeah, and you feel like uh, in Zizou they have a manager who can adjust to the situations they're in, to the players they are. He's not hamstrung by such a playing identity that they have to adhere to one playing identity. They adjust. They adjusted in this game. They adjusted after halftime uh, better than Juve. And uh, hence, they're champions again, Rod, repeating in the Champions League. Clearly, <laughs> something which is not uh, easy to do. And, uh, you know, I've talked about who terrifies me in England. I look at Real Madrid. I don't think anybody in England can touch them for years, Rod, for years. Huddersfield Town. Okay, Rod, two massive World Cup qualifying games on the horizon for the US men's national team <sighs> in the hex this week. It begins Thursday night with Bruce Arena's boys hosting TNT in Colorado. Get three! Yeah, avocado, as my daughter JJ calls it, at 7.50pm Eastern Time on Fox Sports 1. And then on Sunday at 8.30pm oh. Eastern Time, the USA heads south of the border down Mexico way. Get three! <laughs> oh, get one! <laughs> Into the vaunted Estadio Azteca oh. to take on El Tri. To preview those games, Roger, you spoke to GFOP and freshly re-minted Premier League player, Newcastle United, US men's national team. Right back, DeAndre Yedlin. Oh, what a man. Our guest today, oh, he's one of American soccer's brightest young leaders. At the ripe age of 23, the speedy Seattle-born right back has already staked his claim as a staple of the US men's national team setup. He's also one of America's single greatest ambassadors to England right now, after he played a vital role in helping the mighty Newcastle United win the championship this season, earning them promotion back to the Premier League. We welcome to the pod a player with 93 pace on FIFA, a GFOP whose Akron Zips bobblehead graces our panic room, and the man who has single-handedly fused Talm about and the US men's national team. Oh, big hello to the one and only, Mr. DeAndre Yedlin. <laughs> How you guys doing? Oh, we're good now we're with you, DeAndre. We really are. Very For, good. I mean, first, Very of all, good. first of all, condolences to you, DeAndre, and everyone yeah. in the city in Newcastle in the wake of the tragic news of Czech Teoti's passing. Your career's overlapped briefly at St. James's Park. What's your memory of him? I found out about it over Twitter, and then it was kind of all in the Newcastle group chat. Just shocked, really. 30 is way too young for anybody to pass away. Checky is a he's a great guy. He's always, you know, always um, you know, messing around with the younger guys and it was always for a good purpose. You know, he was a leader. Uh obviously he'd been at Newcastle for a while, so everybody loved him. To hear, yeah, that he passed away was it was tough news on everybody and you know, my condolences go out to his family and, and friends. Honestly, can't imagine. There's very little to say in such a dark yeah. uh, and tragic reality. I just know that his memory will live on uh, probably forever in Newcastle. Of course. We're speaking to you now, though, in Denver, Colorado, ahead of Thursday's return to Hex. I've got to say, it's magnificent to see you back in a US jersey, DeAndre. Yeah, it's nice to be back. (laughs) You've you've not had much of an off-season. You went to Vegas, you spent some time in LA, Seattle, 
Are you able to yeah. unplug at all from football? Are there a few days when you don't have to think about it at all? Yeah, there there is a couple of days, but um, you know, I'm a professional football player, so you know that's kind of what's asked of me, and I I got to do what I got to do, you know, in the time that I have, and um, you know, I'm having fun with it though, so that's the most important thing. Mate, if you play on to Brad Friedel's age, you've got another fifty years ahead of you, DeAndre. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see if my legs go that long. But, uh, I saw yeah, you I saw you on uh, the beach doing conditioning training yeah. with Odell Beckham Jr. <laughs> How did that happen? Yeah. My friend in LA actually um, knew this trainer named Jamal Ligon, um, and he trains a lot of the NFL players in the off season. And actually, a couple of years ago, I went with him do a little bit of training uh, in the off season for a couple of days, and then hooked up with him again when I was in LA. And it just so happened that uh, Odell was training with him that day as Reggie Bush as well. So that was pretty cool. Odell Beckham, Reggie Bush, DeAndre Yedlin. Yeah, hundred meters. <laughs> Who, I, who should have put yeah. my who should have put my money on DeAndre? Ooh, I don't know. Those guys are very fast. <laughs> They're very fast. I know, but yeah. I've got to say, mate, only one of you has got a ninety-three rating in EA Sports FIFA. That's very true. That's very true. <sighs> what a season That's you've just true. had! A championship winners' medal now in your possession on that counter-attacking Newcastle team, which topped the league as you were hailed as one of the best fullbacks in the division. Your career in England. It's not been a straight line. You had a frustrating mm-hmm. spell at Tottenham, the grinding season mm-hmm. on loan in Sunderland. After so right. much doubt and uncertainty, how did it feel to lift that championship trophy when it was in your arms and you raised it up, knowing you were returning to the Premier League? Was it all just sweet vindication? Yeah, it's a, it's a great feeling. Just kind of felt like it was, you know, my career was kind of going back on up. Um, you know, it's obviously a great feeling. So, and I, not only that, but for the fans of Newcastle. Everybody knows the Geordies. They're such loyal fans. You know, they're great fans. They're always behind us. In away games, it's always sold out. So it's a, it's a great for the city, the club that belongs in the Premier League. The manager there, Rafa Benitez, has become a cult hero in Newcastle. Yeah. leading the club yeah. back to the Premier League promised land. You've said that he made you a, quote, more complete player. I know he worked one-on-one yeah. with you, which is astonishing. Can you give us some examples right. of what he's done for your game and how he's done it? I think he's almost as simplified it. I think when I first got there, I didn't know what to expect. Obviously, every you know footballer in the world knows Rafa Benitez, but I didn't know, you know his exact coaching style. I talked to Jimmy Traore a bit before I went, but he has a way of just simplifying everything. He tells you everything, things that you know, but things that you kind of need to hear again just to become second nature. So... In, in training, we do work a lot on defensive position, you know, shifting, you know, when, when to press, when to stay back. You know, it's helped a lot. I couldn't be more thrilled for you and for Newcastle fans. What, what a magnificently passionate and proud city that is. It is football yeah. mad. It's yeah. like Seattle, but everyone yeah. sounds like Ray Hudson. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Brian Strauss, he wrote a phenomenally inspirational story about you. How in your low point at Sunderland... You turn things around. God, your tenacity is amazing. You turn things around by hitting Amazon, typing in books (laughs) about success, and then it was a book that gave you the mental fortitude to turn things around. To be honest, when other players would have wilted, you read a book, I believe, called Maximum Achievement by the Canadian motivational expert Brian Tracy. You said that book changed your life. How did it do so? He wrote about goal setting, which is something I always knew about, but you know, I never really did. Um, and it kind of taught you a bit more about it. And I, I started doing that. And, you know, after I started doing that and writing, writing my goals down, you know, things had to turn around for me. To the U.S. now, 
you, you miss the March Hex qualifiers with a hamstring injury. Mm-hmm. The 1-1 draw against Venezuela Saturday night was your first start of the Bruce Arena 2.0 era. For those of mm-hmm. us who've never been coached by Bruce Arena, which is most of our listeners, how would you describe mm-hmm. his style of coaching, DeAndre? He's a very calm coach. He's not the kind of guy that's going to get up and yell and you know, start screaming. He's pretty similar to, to Russ, actually, in, in terms of he likes to keep everything very simple. Do you feel Bruce relates better to the players because he really understands what drives the American player, their, their unique footballing background, that inner mindset, because he himself is American? Obviously, he's, he's coached this team before and he's coached in the MLS for many years, so he knows what drives the American players and the American mindset is like. I think uh, with him, we can, we can do big things. Two hex games... Fast upcoming. First up, Thursday night, Trinidad and Tobago in Commerce City, Colorado. U.S. has a 17-2-4 record against the Soka Warriors, currently bottom of the hex. Last Saturday against mm-hmm. Venezuela, you played in both a back four with Fabian Johnson ahead of you. And you also played as right. a wing back alongside a defensive three. Which tactical right. setup brings out your best? I think the back four right now is more comfortable just because as a team, we've played that more and we've been more consistent. But the back three is definitely something, you know, that we're pondering and, and something that I'm sure we'll look to improve on and get better at. And personally, I'm more comfortable, I think, in the back four just because I've played that pretty much the whole time I've been in outside back. The clash against Mexico Sunday night now looms large at a start here as Teca, less a football stadium, yeah. more a Game of Thrones fortress, 7,200 feet above sea level. It's an airless crucible filled with smog, heat, noise, the occasional flying bag of urine. You've never (laughs) played there before, DeAndre. What advice have the other players given you to prepare? The big thing there is, you know, mentally you have to be very strong. Um, You know, there's going to be a lot of distractions in terms of the, you know, the atmosphere, the fans, the altitude, the the heat. We all know it's going to be a tough game. It's tough conditions in Mexico. It's a great team. I mean, Casey Keller told me about the Azteca. He said it's so hard to breathe, it's almost impossible to sprint there. And that the first 15 minutes of the game, your respiratory system makes you start, and he said this, makes you start questioning what's going on physically and whether you can handle it. How do you plan for that, DeAndre? Mentally, you know, your mind mind can do a lot. It can be very positive for you or it can be very negative. So, you know, if we can stay on that positive side and, and push through, like you said, that first 15 minutes, and hopefully try to get an early goal and most of all defend very well, then I think we'll be all right there. The U.S. have never won a meaningful game in the Azteca. I hope we don't have to say that again after Sunday. <laughs> but what is success? Yeah, hopefully not. What is success for your team on Sunday night? Would you take a draw? Yeah, I, I think a draw would be, a, would be a good result, but obviously we're not looking for a draw. We want to win. You know, we need points, so uh, that's going to be the objective. <sighs> The summer then for you looms large because like Jeff Cameron and Fabian Johnson, you've been given the gold cup off for good behavior to rest your legs <laughs> before the European season starts. Newcastle yeah. reconvened for the first time Monday, July 3rd. They've not heard of July 4th in Newcastle. How, how, <laughs> I guess not. When the US play in the gold cup, how is it for you mm-hmm. to watch them play and not be on the field? Can you really unplug and rest when the team is playing? To watch them play, I'm sure it's going to be um, pretty late over in England. So if I'm up that late, then uh, we'll see how I am. But yeah, it'll be nice to kind of sit back after a long day of uh, preseason. I want to finish by returning 
to the Brian Tracy Maximum Achievement book, you said that book made you write down your goals in detail. Goals for one yeah. week out, two weeks, one month, six months, two years. What's yeah. your real detailed goal for the season ahead, DeAndre? I actually haven't written out a detailed goal. I mean, for right now, I've really just been focusing on these World Cup qualifiers. I'm sure when you know I sit down after the qualifiers, I'll, I'll start writing out the goals for the year. And that's the thing is the goals can change. You can set higher and higher goals. Mine would be pretty simple to avoid being choked out during goal celebrations by Alexander <laughs> Mitrovic. Please, God, you'll come back on when you have thought about 2018s and they will end with lifting a World Cup with the United States national team. DeAndre, I've got to tell you, watching you flourish at Newcastle, it's been one of the delights of the past year for me. I wish you continued you. success. And to all of the gents in that US squad, courage for the games ahead. Godspeed. Thank you very much. What a bloke. DeAndre Yedlin. Adore him. Cannot wait to see him back in the Premier League. One note about the Azteca game. I had a drink with the great Rob Stone, Rob Stone for president, a couple of weeks ago, and he told me proudly that he and Alexi Lalas are going to be the first American broadcast team to broadcast live pitch side before halftime and after that game at the Azteca. I want to say, I wish Rob Stone and Alexi Lalas all the luck in the world because I want to ask Ian Dark, what's it like to commentate at the Azteca? And he laughed and he told me, the secret is to kid yourself that the bags of urine the fans throw at you throughout your broadcast, that it's just beer. The more you know. Godspeed, Stoner. Okay, Rod, those World Cup qualifiers come just days after the US was knocked out of the under-20 World Cup in the quarterfinals, falling to Venezuela 2-1 in extra time. The game was tied 0-0 after regulation, but Venezuela struck in the 96th and 116th minutes. The US pulled one back in the dying embers, but ultimately fall short of the semifinals. Fall short, they did. You know, you wake up at 2 a.m., because you have a sense of something, that you're about to watch something special, something historic is about to happen. I woke up with frenzied excitement and it quickly burnt off because the game was a curiously surreal disappointment. False hopes raised by that 6-0 round of 16 smackdown against mighty New Zealand soon fell away because the honest truth, Venezuela could have won this by five or six goals. Yet they had two days more rest than Tabaremos's squad, but irrespective, the US were totally outgunned. It was like watching an FA Cup game between a top six side and a non-league have-a-go hero. Jonathan Klinsman, athletic save after athletic save in goal. Good, Jonathan! Venezuela, they had a goal overruled by video technology. They kept hitting the crossbar. That's all that kept this thing scoreless in 90 minutes. Uh, I mean, Gus Van Sant, Davo, he once made Hitchcock psycho shot for shot. He remade it exactly identical to the original. This game emotionally was like a moment-by-moment recreation of the Belgian-USA World Cup 2014 game. Venezuela were that dominant. And at the whistle, Eric Palmer-Brown even missed a header from point-blank range that would have stolen the game undeservedly for the US. The spirit of Wondo lives on. It's strong. It's passed down generation to generation. This was all harder to watch, Davo, than the black-eyed peas. And so Venezuela go on to play Uruguay. Italy in the other semi-final face your mighty England, Davo. 
to sum it up this campaign on one hand there's much to feel good about on an individual basis in the same way the u.s used to produce phenomenal ball goalkeepers we now specialize in the production of talented ginger outfields clinical 17 year old josh Sargent. oh he is a phenomenon and i love watching justin glad as well as well as non-gingies tyler adams a midfield tyrant from the new york red bulls Liverpool Academy product turned real Salt Lake prospect Brooks Lennon. I mean, the micro picture is well played to the US boys, but the macro post-mortem again is the amount of money that we're investing in youth development, say compared to maybe Venezuela's, the resources, the athletic talent here, there will come a point where valiantly departing in the quarterfinal is not seen as victory. Some big news coming out of US soccer's amateur ranks. Da, da, da. And the US Open Cup, a tournament that should be much bigger than it is. Yes, big shout out. Oh, I love this team. Christos FC, essentially a Baltimore pub team from the fifth tier of US soccer. Hello to the Maryland Major Soccer League. This is a team that are sponsored by Christos Discount Liquors. I think I'm going to start having our Guinness shipped in by them. The players all have full-time jobs. They don't practice. Maybe that's the secret to the future of American soccer. Don't practice, guys. Because after already claiming one big scalp in the year's US Open Cup, the USL Richmond Kickers, Christos flew into Chicago, played fourth-tier side Chicago FC United. They actually needed a GoFundMe page for the plane flights. And they won. And they now face a fourth-round DMV derby with none other than MLS's DC United. Scheduled for June 13, J-Dubs interviewed one of the club's founders, Sean Smith, for this week's Raven newsletter. Look it up, because it's a fantastic interview. The spirit of it, the approach to football, the approach to life. That entire club, Christos FC, to me, they're everything that's great about soccer. There are many other ways to connect to us. One is our Amazon Emporium Rods, which helps keep the show going. Anytime you go on Amazon Friday, it's big or small. Just click off the Emporium page. Men in Blazers gets a tiny percentage, allows us to cover the costs of creating the show. What are you putting in the Emporium this week, Rog? Is it a book? A book! Oh, my word. The fall of the house of FIFA. The multi-million dollar corruption at the heart of global soccer by David Conn. What a remarkable bloke. The Guardian writer a man with a peerless understanding about the connection between finance and football. He is such a smart thinker. His last book, Richer Than God, was a brilliant retelling of Manchester City's economic transformation and the fusing of the histories of Manchester and Abu Dhabi and his own football fandom. It's a must-read for any Premier League lover. But this book, it lays out the history of FIFA from its innocent founding back in 1904 to its present-day reality where, in the words of GFOP John Oliver, it has pioneered a way of being a drug cartel without needing to sell drugs anymore. The book is a forensic accounting of how the Russia 18 and Qatar 22, oh my God, decisions were made. And to read it against a backdrop of Qatar's terrifying diplomatic isolation in the Arab world, it's particularly profound. Jack Warner Chuck Blazer and Seth Blatter, who was interviewed at length, all star in this book. There's no better beach read this summer. Oh, yeah, FIFA, Rog, even more corrupt than the file that ruined (laughs) yesterday's podcast. The highlight of which was me talking about what I was putting in the Emporium, uh, Rog. That's why I listened. Yeah, the Kiba massage lacrosse balls for myofascial release. (laughs) Uh, Trigger point therapy, Rog, for muscle knots. They're yoga therapy. They're very firm balls 
the uh, yoga balls from Kiba. So I've been doing a lot of pull-ups, Roger. Yeah, I've been working on full extension on my uh, uh, pull-ups in both pronated and I think it's called supinated or maybe it's something else, nated uh, position. Um, I and, have those and I'm getting really, getting very, very sore in my lats, in my sort of in my traps, uh, all over the muscles that I, I incorrectly named my glutes for yeah. some reason. So I'm having to do a lot of myofascial release, having to like get rid of these knots. Tennis balls are good. Rog, those little knobby ones are also good. But I find the lacrosse ball, the Kiba massage lacrosse ball, for your knots, for your soreness from your pull-ups, they're the best. They're a bargain at only $9.99. Buy 100 of them. Can I ask you one question? Yeah. If you're in pain, why don't you just stop doing your supinate yeah. in the first place and save yourself on buying more balls? Good question. It's it's probably because I dream of scoring a goal in the Champions League <laughs> final and whipping my shirt off. And I want to have that V. I want to have that V, Rod. I'm working on uh, it very I'm hard. working on my Iguain dad bod. Visit meninblazers.com to sign up for our newsletter, which oh. we produce with our partner Guinness. Follow us on Twitter, at meninblazers, at embassy davies, at rog bennett. On yes. Instagram, at meninblazers, at embassy underscore davies. On Facebook, meninblazers. You can always email us at meninblazers at gmail.com. You can always send your ravens to the meninblazers in the crap part of Soho. And meninblazersgmail.com. Fenderpunk, Rog. War pig! Who wants to sex Matumbo? Exposure. Balls win, balls win, balls lose. Take that, Gloria. Is that your analysis? To see a sucker. Abrogado, rock on, mate. Kung fu fight in America. Love you, Davo. Love you, Rogers. I did at the end of this pod yesterday and before I'm it was sorry, corrupted. sorry, America, that corrupted file, it ain't gonna bring us down. <laughs>